recently that um, pastors like lapel mics or mics that go over your ears and evangelists like these kind of mics. It's true. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you, so you can tell if a person's a pastor or an evangelist based on what kind of microphone they use. Okay, that's a new revelation. But actually, our microphone's not working right now because of sound systems. That, yeah. yeah, I'm evangelist right now. But we're glad to have Jake back because he's going to fix the sound system for us. <laughs> for some reason, you know, you can do nothing to a sound system and it's, it, just gets, it just goes bad, just out of the blue. Something happens to it. There's sound demons. I'm convinced of sound demons. Everybody good? God is really trying to teach us how to tap into the heavenly realm corporately. Okay, that was good this morning, uh, you know, when they wanted people to come up for prayer because there was a, it was a breeze from heaven blowing through here. Okay, so we, and people were sensing that and feeling it. And so that's what God wants to teach us how to do is to sense what He's doing, recognize what He's doing, and really respond to it. Amen? And that's, so that's sort of the important thing for us right now is to really learn how to do that and develop that uh, ability, um, have your, ex- your senses exercised by reason of use is how the Bible puts it, right? That's what it's talking about, actually, okay? It's using your spiritual senses, your spiritual ears, your spiritual eyes, and uh, your spiritual smell by reason of use. And you can come to church and do that, which is a great thing to get to do in the church, really, Right? I mean, most people come to church and they just want to go and do nothing in church. But you get to come to church and you get to exercise your spiritual senses if you want to. And if you don't, then you're just going to have to do something else. Amen? Come on, y'all loosen up now. I'm trying to get y'all loosened up here. Y'all acting like y'all are all stiff in here. Anyways, that's really important. Um, I would say that probably in the last maybe year, it's, it's we have been sort of, the body of Christ has been like in a spiritual winter. Wouldn't you think so? There's been a, we've been through a, a, some difficult times, and we've been through some really great times, okay? I would say we probably haven't hit our greatest moments, but we have hit our lowest moments, you know? And so, but I believe the Lord is wanting to bring us out of the winter time and into a spiritual spring. Who's, who's up for that? Yeah. Okay, I'm really, is, I'm really sensing that and feeling like there's a springtime in the Spirit coming, and God really wants to, you know, get us ready for that and prepare us for that, to really prepare for springtime. And so I believe he's been speaking to me. Oh, he has been speaking to me. I don't believe it. I do believe it, but I even beyond believe it. I know he's been speaking to me about how to be successful. Anybody interested in success? Good. I like to be interested. In it. I want to be successful, okay? And whatever God's called me to do, I'll go ahead and define that again for you. Success is being able to do what God's asked you to do and be fruitful in it. That's what I mean by success. So just being able to do what God's called me to do and being prosperous and, and, and fruitful in it. So God wants us, you know, I shared last week with you a key to success, if you'll remember. And it was called focus. Everybody say focus. And focus is made up of three things. One is desire, which is really critical, because without desire you have no focus. Two is sacrifice, you've got to give up some things to really focus. And then the third one would be faithfulness, and I was thinking another word would be follow-through. You know, you've got to have some follow-through in your life. You can't, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's really a key uh, thing that, you know, and I showed you that's in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. You know, the most focused people in the Bible were the most spiritual people in the Bible. And they were the ones who were successful in doing what God had called them to do. But I want to share something else with you today. Another, another key to success, and it has to do with our thinking. Okay? That God wants to do something with mine and your thinking. He wants to, to expand your thinking. Okay? Because we're going to see that your thinking is limiting your life in the Lord. Amen? Are you all with me? Or y'all, y'all didn't, have y'all given out of energy or something? Okay, good. Cause you, huh? About the money? Oh, the mic. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought you said about the money. I'm thinking, what money? I don't got no money. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, one thing that I feel that the Lord told me is regardless of what your yesterdays are, regardless, He wants to make you successful. Okay? Or maybe in spite of your yesterdays, He wants to make you successful. It doesn't matter if you were a failure today. You may be a failure in your life. You may feel like a failure. That doesn't matter because God's got another plan. I want to read this uh, 3 John 2. Uh, Beloved, I pray that in all respect, everybody say all respects. So this is what it says, the Bible, all respects. See, we're talking every area of your life, not just your spiritual life, but every area of your life, your, your, your inner life, your relational life, your career, your ministry, your family, your friendships, every area of your life. This was John's prayer, the powerful prayer, that you would prosper or succeed and be in good health, just as, and this is the key, just, everybody say just as, your soul prospers. And the, yeah, just as your soul, see, in other words, you are going to have a very difficult time prospering out here if you're not prospering in here. In fact, if, if you prosper out here without prospering in here, things are going to be messed up. People who prosper out here, you know, you can find out about their lives and there's destruction in their life. There's destruction all around them. That's not what we want. We want to be able to prosper out here and it be a blessing. Uh, so he was saying that you're going to succeed in proportion to what happens inside of here, what happens in, in the realm of your soul. And, of course, you know your soul is your mind, your emotion, your will, your intellect, your heart, your heart realm. That, that, sort, that makes up the soul of man. And God really is right now, at least in my life, I believe he's doing it in lots of people's life. There are things in your life, in your soul, that's in there that need to come out. Okay? There are things in there that you don't even know about. They're what I like to call hooks. It's like, you know, you've seen these programs on television, or you may have even done, like, really serious deep-sea fishing, where these guys have these big old fish they catch, and they had to work for hours to pull these fish in. And one of the things they'll do, they'll let them take off and run, run, and they start pulling back on them. Well, the enemy has these hooks in, in our lives that we don't realize are there. And he, and he will let us run out for a while, but when we start getting dangerous, he'll start pulling on us. And God is interested in revealing to you and I what those hidden hooks are. Because they are hidden. And I, when I was in Paraguay, the Lord started speaking to me about hidden hooks in my life. And he asked me if I would be willing to allow him to remove those hooks out of my life. And uh, it was, that was the good part. Yeah, that would be great, Lord. I'm, that's awesome. The bad part is, is when he comes after the hook. That was not a happy moment. In fact, it didn't feel spiritual at all. It felt quite carnal. And I was, you know, it came in a bad time. But I realized, oh, my gosh, the Lord just revealed a hook in my life. And, uh, and he took the hook out. And it brought a lot of healing into, into my life and brought some healing into my family. By allowing God to, to remove something that was in me that I didn't know about. So I encourage you to let... Now, you can't figure those things out. Only God can reveal that to you. But He's interested in doing that right now because He wants to prosper you. He wants to make you success. So a good prayer is to ask Him to do it. But don't resist Him when He comes for it. And I'm going to tell you something. Most people resist Him when He comes for it. Because when He comes, it's not like some grand and glorious thing. It's a difficult thing. It's a trying thing. And you have to humble yourself. It requires humility. It requires a bowing in your life. Or you can get mad and be offended or be dis discouraged or be disappointed. But that doesn't change anything. There's a scripture, John 5, 8, not, not John 5, James 5, that says, Strengthen your hearts. Okay, that's an end-time commandment. Strengthen your hearts. Okay, and that's something God wants to do. He wants to strengthen, strengthen in our heart realm. That that's something that he's interested in doing right now. And another scripture, 1 Peter 1.13, prepare your minds for action. Everybody say that. Prepare your minds for action. That's 1 Peter 1.13. In other words, what Peter was saying, you know, our minds are going to have to get engaged for what God wants to do now in this time, where God wants to take us now in this season. And what has to happen, our minds have to be enlarged. Okay, because our thinking, the thoughts of our mind, the thoughts of our lives, 
are seriously hindering us from all that God wants to do in our life. Now, we just heard a testimony, uh, two testimonies that were shifts in thinking. Shifts in thinking. Suddenly, these Lizzie and, and Jake had a new thought life. They got some new thoughts coming to them about being children and no longer do I have to live in, under condemnation. I don't think I have to do that anymore. See, there's a shift in thinking that, that has come to them. And that's really what it's going to take for us to really change, and that's what it's going to take for us to be successful, is we've got to think different. Let me read uh, uh, Ephesians 3.20. Okay, Ephesians 3.20. This is one of my favorite scriptures that I like to quote all the time. Many people like to quote it, but you've got to look at it really careful because there's secrets in here. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Now, on surface, we think God can do more than I'm thinking, so... But it does not say, now I want you to get this, it doesn't say God is going to do automatically more than you ask or think. It doesn't say that. It says God's able to do that. Okay, so we can quote the Scripture all day long about our lives, and let me tell you what's going to happen in your life. Nothing. Nothing. Because quoting Scriptures to God means nothing to God. Okay, it's just saying God's able to do that. God's able to do more than you ask or think. Of course He is, according to the power that works where? Within us. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a limiting factor in our lives. The power's in us. Right? Have you ever asked yourself this simple little question? I've asked myself all the time. Every time I pray for somebody and nothing happens, I ask myself this question. If Christ Himself is living on the inside of me, and I know it's God's will to touch this person. And I prayed for him. Why is he not being touched? What is wrong with this picture? Have you ever asked yourself that? The problem is not a lack of power in us. We've got power. Everybody in this room, if you've got Christ and you've got, a diet, you've got, you know, you've got a nuclear reactor sitting inside of you, that's not the problem. Many times the problem is in our thoughts. Our thoughts, everything, no matter how much God has put in you, no matter how much vision, no matter how much anointing, no matter how much precious thoughts that he's, or precious things He's done in you, it will not come out of you without your mind giving it permission. Your mind has to release it. Your mind has to come into agreement with God in order, in, in, in order for it to really be released through your life. And let me tell you something. Uh... I want you to get this, okay? You can't just say you agree with God when you really not are in agreement with Him. You can't just say stuff that's true and it not be truthful to you and it work. Now, there was a guy, I want to tell you this story about this. this there was this, this couple that came to Becky and I for marriage counseling. And, and the wife had these uh, list of issues that she had with this man, with her husband. And basically, she, this is what she said. I'm going to leave that man. This is what she told us. I'm leaving that man if, if he don't change. Period. She didn't come in the door saying, well, y'all help me. She just said, I'm leaving him. I'm letting you know I'm going to leave this man if he don't change. So he comes in 30 minutes later, and everything she said, it was pretty obvious it, it was true. He just went through this whole routine. It's like, this is easy. So I said, sir... Because she told him. I said, you didn't, and he was telling her she couldn't do that. You can't leave me. I said, sir, uh, you didn't hear what she just said. I want you to get this. Your wife is going to leave you if something doesn't happen different in your marriage. And that man went off of me. This is what he basically said. I don't know what God you serve. That's what he said to me. But my God is able to do more than I ask or think. That's what he said to me. And I said, that is bull. So I told him, that's just bull. I said, that's religious garbage. Your wife's going to leave you, and you can say that stuff to her all day long, and nothing's going to change. I said, you're going to have to change, and quoting Bible verses does not change you. You're going to have to change, or she's going to leave. And if you want to change, I'll help you change. And he claimed he did for that moment, but guess what? She left him because he didn't change. 
because all it was to him, I don't know, it was like your, my God's greater than your God and all this stuff, and none of it was real to him. Okay, it was all a facade in his life. It was religion, really. I mean, it was really religion. It was just a religious thought. And now, you know, here's a family that's being destroyed over a religious thought instead of reality. Are y'all following what I'm saying to you? So, you know, God has, to a great degree, limited himself to our thinking. God could have kept that man from leaving. But that man, the way he thought and the way he approached his marriage life was not right. He was wrong. Everything she said, I mean, most of the time you think, oh, somebody's, this can't be all right. But when he came in and demonstrated it before, he, right in your front of your eye, thinking, well, that's proof in the pudding. So the way you and I think is going to keep God from being able to move in our life the way he wants to. Okay? It really is. Back when I was a young Christian, this is what the preachers would say. God is not interested or does he need your ability, but he is very interested and needs your availability. Okay? Availability. Is God, does God, does he have, are we available to God? Is our thinking available to God? I mean, really, is it really is our thinking available to God? Is our mind enlarged? Do we, do we think, out, do we think limit, limited thoughts? Or do we think outside of limited, small thinking? There was a man in the Bible, uh, it's in John 5, one of Jesus' miracles, or Jesus' signs, they actually called it. And he was at the pool of Bethesda. Here's a man who thought little, okay? That man needed healing. He was, a par- he was paralyzed. And one day Jesus approaches this man and says, do you want to get healed? That's what he said to him. And this is how the man answered. You know the story. Well, you know what? Every time the water stirred, because an angel would go down in this water and stir it occasionally, and people who already got in the water first, man, that sounds like that's a bad deal, I think. I mean, whoever got in the water first got healed. He said, somebody would, I didn't have nobody, to, I have no man to take me to the water. I mean, there's a lot into this. Okay, when you think of it, there's a lot into this. I have no man to take me in this water. Uh, and somebody jumps in front of me. That was his answer to Jesus. See, that's what his problem was. He had a lot of problems, really. I think, if you think about it, if you really think about it like this, I had no man. Okay? Here he is needing a miracle, and I had no man. That's what, I'm going to tell you something. There's people in this room, I'm going to tell you this right now. You better get rid of your I had no man thinking. I had no man. How many people have blamed? Well, you know what a guy did one time to me? Let me tell you what he did to me. This guy calls me up. This is what he said to me. My wife, my wife has left me. That's what he said to me. This is another person. And it's your fault. I said, what do you mean it's my fault? He said, well, you don't preach enough. You should be preaching on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. I'm not getting enough of the Word, and that's messed my marriage up. That's what he said to me. I thought, man, that is just crazy. I told him, I said, you're crazy, man. I, ain't, I said, I don't even live in your house. It ain't my fault your wife left you. I said, maybe you need to go to a church where they preach all the time. Do that for a while, I'll see if she'll come back to you. <laughs> see, that's that mentality, that guy. That's a small way of thinking. That's just a little side note. But I think somebody in this room really needs to hear that right now, that you may be looking to the wrong person. You're looking for some man to get you down in the water. And they, you don't even need to get down in that water. Because that's what the Lord said. See, he, he was, you know, here, here he was. He had limited himself to one kind of healing. To get down there where the angel was at. And where there's the Lord himself standing right there next to him. See, God can heal in many ways. Many ways God can heal. There, God is, see, God is creative. He he has a, a very anointed, creative mind, okay? And, and the Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. Say, say this. Say, I want you to say it like this. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. You and I already have the mind of Christ in us, okay? Already. The key for us is to tap into that mind, which is a limitless mind. There's no problem too big for that mind. I don't care what you're facing in your life. That mind has a solution. 
Okay? And that's really where God wants to take us. He wants to take us into limitless thinking. All right, now, listen. I, this is my thing here. That I, want, I want to say this. I don't know exactly how this applies, but this is how, what I believe about the American educational system. I believe the American ed- educational system is hindering people from knowing the Lord. Because this is what they did. Besides, I mean, I'm, this is one thing. There's probably bunches of things they're doing. I mean, they're doing bad things in school systems. But this is one thing they've always done as far as I know. They basically teach, except for some lip service, one type. They teach you one way. They teach you how to think logically. Re- they teach reasoning, which is really good. We need to learn how to logically think and reason. But they don't teach creativity. Here's the only people who get taught creativity in public schools. The ones who have talent to play an instrument or sing a song. They get into those things. I couldn't, when I was a kid in the sixth grade, they had a bunch of people come in and let's blow on these horns. That's what they did. They brought everybody, we blew on these horns. And then they picked the ones who got to go be in the horn, the band thing. Because I couldn't blow on it good, I didn't get to be in band. And because I couldn't sing good, I didn't get to be in no chorus. So I went through school, and I was taught how to logically think and how to reason by the school system. When I got in college, I was in trouble in college because I was going to be an engineer, and I realized I was having difficulty with the mathematics. You do not want to have trouble with mathematics being an engineer. <laughs> Trust me, that has to be a non-issue for you. Math has to be second nature. But I had a professor who taught math from a creative perspective. He taught me how to creatively look at math problems. Instead of just, you know, like, here's the rules, this, 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 you know, that's how you do it. And that's the way most math is taught. They give you a bunch of theorems and rules, but they don't teach you how to bring the creative side of your mind into the math problem. How many people in here love word problems? Raise your hand. See, these people who raise their hand, these are creative thinkers. Because word problems challenge you to be creative. It's not just a formula like A, like 1 plus 1 equals something. It requires some kind of outside thinking than what you've normally been taught to do. Are y'all following this? Now, I'm just talking on a, on a natural plane right now. Is God has created us with, because he's so creative himself, and he wants us to learn how to engage what he's given us. Okay. So I'm encouraging you to teach your kids how to think creatively. I wish I would have learned that sooner. So, because it hurts our relationship with the Lord because when God speaks to people, there's a creative element that we have to learn how to engage Him with to be able to understand His mind, to be able to know that His mind. Lots of the ways that God speaks, well, Matthew mentioned one. You know, like for word of knowledge of healing is a physical thing. You know, like you feel something. Lots of times it's pictures. You know, like a picture's worth a thousand words. Okay? That, that, because, and that requires the creative side of your, your brain to engage with God. Are y'all good? Now, what I want to tell you this, what I want, I want to get back, that was sort of off the subject, really. But it is all tied together. Okay? Because God wants to, do, he wants to adjust our thinking. He wants to expand our thinking where we begin to think outside of limitations. Okay? Think about it like this. This is a great example. I was asking the Lord to give me a great example, and when I did, I remembered riding in my daddy's 1953 Chevrolet truck when it was raining cats and dogs one day. And that truck's windshield wiper system worked on a vacuum off the carburetor. You know, anybody here remember that? Don, you do. Some people do. Okay, and so here's what would happen. I don't care how hard it was raining out there. I mean, it could be it could be blinding rain. That windshield wipers, the speed of it was based on how the gas. So if you were going 20 miles an hour, them speed numbers were barely moving. I don't care how hard it was raining, but if you got going down a hill and was flying down a hill, those things would be going so fast they were you thought they were going to literally tear up. I don't care if there was just a drizzle, they'd be. Now, thank God that somebody in their thought and looked at that and said, there's a better way. There's a better way to do windshield wipers. So somebody developed a motor that was, that was not connected up with the speed of the car, the gas pedal, or the whole system. 
And thank God that they didn't stop there. That somebody else said, you know what? Hey, let's put a resistor on this thing and be able to change the speed based on how much it's raining. It's just not on and off. We could go, well, I think they got one, two, three. Okay, and then somebody actually put the little adjustable resistor on there like we got today. But what if we just stopped there? What if we just stopped there? Or some of you computer people, what if your software that you have in your computer today that nobody gave an upgrade to them, there was never a new version, it never increased, it never changed, there was never a new idea, there was never a new concept, there was never a new invention. Think about what our life would be here. Like, think about in the, just in the arena of medicine. If, if these medical scientists quit having these breakthroughs in medicine, imagine what that would do to mankind. Because the devils can create new diseases all the time. You know, there's bad stuff happening. And see, what we, the church is the world famous for this. We are world famous for putting a lid. We have put a lid on, on the people of God. The church has it. We've, we've, put a, we've stopped it. Andy mentioned earlier, we've got to go on in what God has now today. We can't live what he did yesterday. Yet we will be stuck there. Okay? And God is calling people to really understand that he, the mind of Christ is boundless. There is no boundaries. I'm going to tell you, you basically have two boundaries in your life as a Christian. One is the will of God. You can't go outside His will. If you do, you'll get in trouble. And the other one's the Word of God. You don't want to go outside of what the Word allows. But if it's in the Word, then you have legal access to do it if it's the will of God for you personally. That's the only two boundaries that God has really put on us, His will and His Word. And we can go beyond that. See, but God's looking for people who are willing to go beyond these false boundaries that have been put on us, these false concepts. Are y'all good? All right. Now let's see if we can find some more notes. So here's the one. Okay, we're back. I'm talking about success, how we're going to be successful. Here's the one I want to tell you that I really believe can make you real successful. It's called the power of the future. That's one of the greatest attributes that the mind of Christ has is the mind of Christ, Christ himself did not, let me just say this, Christ did not live in the present when he was on this earth. And he did not live in the past. Everything that Jesus Christ did while he was on this earth was coming from the future. Okay? Jesus lived from the future. Here's the principle. In the spiritual world and much in the natural world, the future impacts the past and the present. You got that? The future. The past and the present does not impact the future. Okay? The future impacts the past or the present in the spiritual world. Okay? There's only one, uh, what do you call that, exception to this. The one exception to this is testimonies. Testimonies from what God did in our yesterday do impact us now. But the only reason they do is because in God there's no time. Okay? Those testimonies that God did yesterday are just as current for the day as any time because they always exist. They exist outside of time. You think God does exist outside of time? Are y'all, do y'all follow this? I know this is hard for you because it, it, it sort of twists your brain a little bit because you don't normally think about this. But think about it like this. Every time you get in your car you're living and, and start driving your car down the road, you're living in the future. Right? How many people in this room are willing to get out in their car and put a blindfold on it and back it up and start driving out the road? Not Nobody is. If, if you're smart, and if you're stupid, please let me know because I want to make sure I'm not nowhere near and got all my vehicles cleared and my kids and babies, everybody I love, don't be out in the parking lot. And here's why. You have to look ahead to drive a car, right? In other words, in essence, you are looking into the future. You're looking, the future may not be, it may be five seconds ahead of you, but you are looking at it, and what is happening up there is affecting your decisions here. In other words, if you're driving down, driving up that driveway, you know you're going to come up to the highway up there. When you start getting up there, you start making decisions about slowing down and your speed before you ever get there, right? That is, that is your future impacting your present decisions. Do you see that? How many people in this room went to college, raise your hands, or going to college? Guess what you were doing? 
Your, your future, your anticipated future is impacting what you're doing now, right? Or why else would you go to college if you weren't wanting to do something about your, about your future? How many people save money? Anybody saving money here? Come on, somebody's got to be saving some money. I mean, I can't be the only one that don't, you know, that's no glory or not. There's no glory in living hand to mouth. I mean, that is not godly. God didn't want us to live that way, like living paycheck to paycheck. I don't believe in that. I wish I could get out of it, but I don't believe in it. That's why I'm telling myself this. You've got to quit this. This is not spiritual. Okay? You save money, you're saving it because the future is impacting you right that moment. You won't even, even in walking, if I'm going to, let me tell you, if I'm going to walk here, okay, I'm going to walk here to that door, okay? I'm going to walk, okay, and at some point I've got to make a decision. I may not consciously, but I'm going to make a decision to start turning towards this door. Back here. I'm not going to be waiting until I get here and slam into the wall. Oh, there's the wall. I should have turned back there. I'm just, I'm just trying to get you all to see this. Because what I'm telling you, the way the spiritual world works, we're already doing it every day of our life in very simple things. Okay? Hey, listen to this. This is a sideline. I just got to tell you this. This is great. I had this friend of mine who said, Byron, I cannot walk in the Spirit for nothing. I can't figure out how to do it. Okay? I was, and I was trying a hundred ways to explain to him how to walk in the Spirit, but I couldn't do it. Finally, I saw this illustration about this centipede. You know what a centipede is? It's got a hundred legs. Well, somebody asked this centipede, how do they walk? Okay? And the centipede started thinking about how he walked, and guess what happened to him? He froze. He couldn't walk because he was trying to figure out how he was doing it. And that's why I told my friend, hey, you're acting like, you know, you don't think about how to walk in the Spirit. You just walk in the Spirit. And I actually tried that. Not even a centipede. I just got two legs. I'm a biopede. I actually, I actually tried that. Okay, I tried to do this. I'm going to think about every move I make in walking and see if I can do it. And in about 15 seconds, I was getting so confused, I had to stop. Okay? Because I was thinking, well, all right, I'm going to bend this leg, and I'm going to put this foot down, and I'm gonna, as I'm doing that, I'm going to pull this one. You know, and just my brain was getting cluttered with information I couldn't deal with. So the moral story is if you want to walk in the Spirit, just trust God, believe God, and do it. And just start walking. And you'll be able to do it because God is good, and He will enable you to do it. And you don't have to think about it. But that's off the subject. No, yeah, you're exactly right. Don't even think about a golf swing. If you think about a golf swing, you are going down the tube. Now, ain't no time to be thinking about no golf swings when you're trying to do it. That's the truth. See, Ron has done it. All right, let me give... I'm running out of time. Let me give this scripture for you. This is Jesus, Matthew 8, 16 through 17. And I'm going to prove to you that Jesus lived in the future. That his future impacted his past. When, Jesus, when the evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were ill. I just want to tell you everything I'm telling you comes right out of the Bible. All right, this was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Okay? Verse 17, when Jesus was doing that, had not happened yet. Jesus was healing people, delivering people, doing miracles based on an event that had not even happened in human history yet called the cross. Think about it. That's how he lived. He saw the cross and he began to function based on what the cross was going to do for mankind before the cross ever happened. Jesus could actually see when he was on this earth at least three years ahead. At least three years. Of course, we know he was God. He probably could see it all. We don't know what he could see. But we do know this. He did see the cross. He saw what the cross was going to do. And he went ahead and started doing it before he ever got to the cross. Isn't that amazing? That's how Jesus wants us to live. Okay? Jesus literally wants And if we're going to be successful, the people who are going to be successful in this room, okay, with your life, in your relationships, in your ministry, wherever, is the people who have the future planted in their hearts. If you have the seed of the future in your heart, in your mind, then you will have great success. But if you don't have the future in you, you will not be successful because you're going to be stuck here. 
okay? And most people who are just stuck here, this is why they're stuck here, okay? It's, a lot of it has to do with unforgiveness and bitterness, okay? Let me just tell you this. If God showed, showed you today or showed me or showed any of us today an area of unforgiveness, if we forgave, our past would change. Because you would look back on your past, and suddenly, instead of seeing it from your natural, depraved, bitter eyes, you would begin to see it from God's eyes, and you would realize your past was not what you thought it was. Now, that's the truth. Because I've asked the Lord, Lord, how are you going to redeem my past? And he said, Byron, this is how I'm going to redeem your past. When you get your past dealt with in your heart, your past is not going to be your past anymore. You're going to see your past from my perspective. Now, there's power on that. There's power on that. And if you will allow the Lord to help you deal with the stuff in your heart, your life, your past, whatever, you can really have your past redeemed, not only redeemed, but a restoration. The things that God meant for you to have that you didn't get at that time, God can release them spiritually from heaven into your life. I don't know how he does that, but he does it because he says he will restore the years. Okay? And I have had, I'm going to say this, I have had a measure of that restore thing happen to me. A pretty big measure in my life of stuff that I felt like I didn't get when I was growing up, that I was desperate, that God meant for me for to have. I was desperately needed it. That God was able to do it because I began to deal with the hurt, the disappointment, the bitterness, and all that stuff that I was carrying from my past. I began to forgive. I began to release and no longer did my past have me trapped. It no longer had power over me to bind me. And that's what it, all it was going to do for you. You're going to be bound. That's all the past is going to do in a, in, in, a, in a true sense. It's going to bind you and hold you back from what God has for you. And so you'd be real wise to, to take care of that. Uh, our future is God's past. Everybody say that. Say, my future is God's past. Okay, our, our life is already written out in God's book. There's a book up there. People, I, there's people who've actually went to heaven and seen their book, their book of life. You've heard some of the stories. They looked in the past, they would see pages erased. Y'all heard those stories? And it was like, well, God forgave you, and so he erased that part. But there's other books. There's other, there, there's other chapters that you haven't seen yet that people don't talk about too much, and that's the future. And God really is wanting to bring the church into a place where we not only look at our past, the erased stuff from our past, but also look at what the future holds for us. Anybody interested in that? All right, I'm about running out of time, but I am going to give you this other scripture that just proves to you that I'm not lying to you this morning. Okay? Have you ever heard the term, the pen is mightier than the sword? Now, we don't say that much no more because the keyboard has sort of taken over and, you know... But that's a true statement. The pen is mightier than the story. An ideal whose time has come, and that's the key, has more power than any army on earth because men's lives can be changed by something that's born out of heaven into a human being's life and released. And there's no army on earth that can stop that. There's not, they can quench it for a while, but sooner or later it's going to come forward. And God's interested in people who will do that. But here's the scripture. John 16, verse 12 through 16. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Right, that's the key right there for seeing in the future. Only, you know, the Lord's not going to let you see too far into the future. Okay? Because we will not be able to bear everything. Uh, here's a good example. What if in January the Lord would let us see all the way to June? Of this year. I'm talking about January 2009. He would have allowed us to see the June 2009. We could not have bared it. We could not have bared it. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? We would have never been able to bear that. So God will not allow us to see too far into the future. He allows us to see. Really, it's a step-by-step -step thing that he allows us to see into. Just like in the natural. It's a step-by-step. -step. Uh, it's a little, a little unfolding of the future, little by little. But he's interested in getting you to tap into that. Okay, that's the key. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. But he, for he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak. Everybody's good up to now. Everybody's, oh, yeah, this is great, the Holy Spirit. And he will just, now this is where everybody, don't, we sort of forget this. And we never got this one before. And he will disclose to you what is 
to come. Everybody say, what is to come? He is going to reveal to you the future. God wants you. I'm not talking about, you know, reading the book of Revelation and end time prophecy. I'm talking about your future. I mean, I'm thinking, let Jesus worry about all that stuff in Revelation. I can't figure that stuff out. There may come a time when he'll reveal it to us. But he's interested in just as, I'm, just as like I gave that example of walking there, he's interested in showing us what our future is like that. So we can make adjustments. We can do the things we need to do right now so when that future comes, we can walk right into it and be successful and blessed. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? This is really good, man. I mean, you should be excited about it. He will glorify me, for he will take a mind and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes a mind and will disclose it to you. This many times has been taught from a, being like a prophetic gift and thing. This has not, this is not, I'm not talking about prophetic. I'm not talking about words. No, I'm talking about a normal Christian living a normal Christian life, having a communion with the Holy Spirit and him revealing Things coming to you. That's what I'm talking about. That's how we should be living. And if we're going to be successful people on this earth, we've got to be like the people who figured out windshield wipers can't work like this. There's got to be something more. Okay? That's the kind of thinking we've got to get for whatever area of your life that you live in. That we can't be stuck where we're all are. Now we've got to begin to see into the future and begin to do things based on what is ahead of us. Now, a lot of people are sitting here and thinking, I can't do that. But of course you can, because it says the Holy Spirit will, will reveal it to you. And if you open your life and you open your heart more to the Holy Spirit, He will reveal more to you. The key is, is this. Whatever He reveals to you, you've got to obey that. You can't expect to not obey it and then expect Him to keep doing it. He's going to reveal things to you, but He expects you to respond to them. And as you respond, He reveals the next thing. Are y'all following that? Are y'all good? So, anyways, I could give you some more, but I think I'm going to stop there. You want to do that this morning, that thing? You want to talk to them about it? No? You know. So what we want to do right quick, are, are y'all okay right now? What we want to do is, is huh? We want to talk to you about hooks, Okay? Because remember I started out about your soul prospering. We want to give you just a couple minutes more about getting hooks out of you. And Becky has a couple of things. She's um, I turned 50 on Thursday, and I was really looking forward to spending time with the Lord in the morning because, you know, I thought I was going to get this great download about my future and all this stuff. Well, it turned out kind of rough because Byron and I, I asked, I was getting Byron to pray with me about something, and we just had a big blow up. And, and it really was about some hooks in us from our past. And um, and I just, you know, we, we dealt with it, and when we got done, we re- I realized, actually, it was the Lord's birthday present to me. Because, you know, every time we get a hook out of us, there's just such liberty. And really, it was clouding my vision for the future. You see what I'm saying? I was not able to live for the future, you know, and, and what was, you know, because of that cloudiness inside of me. And so I just, you know, really have been feeling that, you know, this week, and I was just thankful. And so I just want to encourage you to really ask the Lord about, because here's the thing, we don't really realize that stuff's in us. And and, and it's so good when we are able, and, and actually it was my daddy's birthday present to me, believe it or not. And I ended up that day just, I had a, we really didn't have anything big planned for that day, but... I wanted to go back to Charlotte and visit our houses uh, where all of our kids grew up and stuff. And we just spent the day doing that. We spent time just going back and looking back. And it just all really fit together. And then I had some uh, friends that put together a video for me about my life. And it was all my father, you know, giving me that gift of getting hooks out and being able to see the whole picture and um, and I just want to encourage you with that. And one thing, people always ask me about my vision for life. Well, I really only have one major vision. I mean, besides just the Lord and all this stuff, is this. I've always known that everything I do really needs to be for the future. Every seed I'm putting in the ground for into my children, into my grandchildren, it's really for the future. 
And it's and I just want to encourage you with that that if God really does want to give us this perspective of living, you know what I mean, the future effect in this and um and I just want to thank the Lord for the gift that He gave me, and um, even though it's hard, that it was a gift. So just encourage you with that. The one thing that <clears throat> just tell you what happened. I'm th- you know she wants me to pray with her about something that involved me. Okay, and I re- immediately got offended with her because this is what I really, and I'm, I'll just tell you what I learned. Is our we have this very powerful gift in us. It's not a gift; it's, a, it's almost a curse. It's called self-deception. We can deceive ourselves beyond measure, and I was walking in a measure of deception that I had no clue was even there. Okay, this this is something that happened years ago. I'm talking. 25 years at least or more, okay? And I had dealt with that thing between me and the Lord. It was under the blood as far as God was concerned. It was forgotten. However, as far as Becky was concerned, it was not forgotten, okay? It wasn't she was holding my... I had never dealt with her by... I had never gone to her and confessed to her and ask her to forgive me. Okay? So she would bring it up. Okay? And I would get mad. I mean, every time. And I really got mad. I didn't want to talk about, you know, you want to pray grace in this situation. She was talking about praying grace, and I was talking about praying wrath into it. <laughs> I was so mad. I was furious. Because my thing was, I'm tired of dealing with this. I've already dealt with this. I have confessed this to the Lord. He's forgiven me. I've just dealt with this, dealt with it. And the Lord's saying, Byron, it's dealt with with me, but it ain't dealt with it with her. And until it's dealt with with her, it'll never be dealt with with you. You've got to deal with it. And it was hard for me to have to humble my going from being mad and telling her how wrong she was to ten minutes later getting, you know, I finally she went back out in the porch, don't come, you know. And I sat there for a while and the Lord started talking to me in the middle of my foolishness and told me, you need to go out there and you need to start getting this right. Okay, with her. And when I did, I realized a big hook got taken out of me that I did not know was in me. I thought it was dealt with. But it was hidden from me. And you and I have those things, and we deceive ourselves, and we don't mean to deceive ourselves. It's not like we're trying to. There was none of that. I was convinced it was dealt with, but it wasn't. And there's things in us and that only God Himself, only the Holy Spirit, He orchestrated all that. The only thing it required on my part, it required me to humble myself. That's what it requires. It requires humility. It requires you to humble yourself and, and get truthful. Tell her that, that thing, Art. One thing the Lord actually, for the last few weeks, this has really been coming. It seems like it's come up in a lot of conversations. But the Lord has given me I've this phrase of, in order to disown something that you don't want, you have to own it first. And I've been really feeling that. It's like in order for us to deal with, in order for me to deal with me, I have to own it first. I have to come to the truth about me. That's the only way I'm ever going to disown something where it won't be mine anymore. And, um, and, and lately I've just feeling this thing like, you know, the best thing, let me tell you the best thing we can ever do for ourselves is tell ourselves the truth. It's the best thing, the most liberating thing, is just to make sure we tell ourselves the truth about me. And it's, it's, it really is the key to living in the future, I believe, is getting those hooks. It's one of the big ones because the clarity then begins to, to come. So. And it brings healing. And it brings restoration. It brings redemption. That's what God wants to do for people. He wants to heal them. He wants to redeem them. He wants to restore them. And he's given us a future and a hope, and he wants to begin to talk to us about our future and hope and begin to tell us and begin to, begin to say to you, listen, that future and hope you have there, you can go reach your hand in that and pull it into right now. That's what Jesus did. Jesus saw the cross in his future and said, oh, the cross brought healing. You're healed in, Je- <laughs> You're healed in my name. Get up, walk. Because I reached in to the cross that hadn't happened from man's perspective yet. Okay, our, listen to this, okay, I, I may have said this already, 
But our future is God's past. Our future is God's past. It's already been, we have a future, but it's His past. And He wants to begin to show it to us and reveal it to us. Okay? This is important. You want to be successful? Say, Holy Spirit, I really want to start seeing my future. If I got hooks in me that blinded me, if I'm bitter, if I'm mean, I'm mad, I'm, you know, any of those things, help me, God. Get, help me get free. I want to be free. I want to live the life you called me to live on this earth. Amen. Amen. A couple weeks ago, over July 4th, I went fishing with my boys. And uh, have you ever had a hard time getting the hook out? I mean, sometimes, you know, like the fish swallows the hook, right? Sometimes you actually are going to end up killing the fish, even though you're tr- intending to maybe even throw the fish back. And the Lord just spoke to me. He said, it's never hard for me to get the fish, the hook out. He said, I don't have to use pliers. I don't have to cut your head off. You know, I don't have to do these things that you might have to do in the natural to a fish. I can get the hook out by my spirit. So we'll do a little just quick um, hook removal this morning. If you need hook removal, you can just come on up here as we dismiss. But let me say this. It is easy, but it's probably not going to be, be completely dealt with at this altar. Okay? Some, um, some loving folks can lay hands on you and believe and trust with you. But like Byron was saying, a lot of what God wants to do does depend on us. Okay? So you can come up here and pl- pray this religious prayer. Well, my God is will able, you know, and then you go out there and the Lord says, repent to your wife. And you're like, well, that was already dealt with 10 years ago. You see what I'm saying? Like use today as a launching pad to really get the hook removed in your life once and for all. Amen. So we want to, um, as we're dismissing, we're going to pray for Joe and Victoria Vogels. You guys come on up here. They are just came back and are leaving again for New Zealand. So if we can have some elders and and some people to come up here, we're going to pray with them and send them out for New Zealand once again and bless them and anoint them. And and also, if you guys want to just stand with me, and uh, as we dismiss, I want to invite you to come up for prayer. In addition to the hooks, if you need healing, we'll pray with you or for breakthrough, whatever, um, so you can just come forward. So, Lord, we just thank you for today. I pray that this word will go deep. Lord, that every hook and every snare would be removed by the power of the cross. We just thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Be blessed.